Hey, I'm Ginger. And I'm Don Zell. And you're listening to Misplaced Life. We'll be exploring the many ways in which our lives often feel misplaced. From emotions to experiences, from relationships to situationships, careers, ideologies, philosophies. You name it, we'll talk about it. Because you may often feel like you're in the wrong place. But you're always living the right life. Hey, Donzel. Hey, Ginger. What's up? Not much. Happy Sunday. What's up? Happy every day, because today is the day. What's the day? We're doing this podcast. Oh, girl, I thought you were going to say it's my birthday, and you had a present for me or something. Is it your birthday? No, not until October. <sighs> October, that's like a long time from now. Um, Technically two months. Aren't we in February? okay let's just cut to the chase (laughs) we recorded our first podcast in february yes we did it's really good but it wasn't we didn't have the fun intro so guess what we have it now we got it now (laughs) and you just busted us on the timing so hey transparency is key Look, or just make sure I'm nowhere near you when a crime goes down because I will rat everyone out unknowingly. Are you a good liar? I'm not. I'm a terrible liar. That's what's your why. What's your dead giveaway? Oh, I just can't lie. I'm just bad at it. Yeah. I stopped lying when I was a kid. You know, I've, everyone tries and everyone does white lies here and there. Like right, but I mean, lies, like, but like you but get you do something wrong, you get busted. You're facing your parents. I you're facing. I never the- could do it. I always <laughs> would either hesitate or stumble or just like flat out just tell the truth. For some reason, I never was a good liar and I just gave up trying. And I was like, you know what? It's easier for me to just be honest because I couldn't remember the lies that I told. So it's like, what's the point? Like, this is too much stress for me. Yeah, to when remember. you start the web, you gotta like yeah. stay on track. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of people <laughs> when I was growing up, um, a lot of people would give me a lot of credit and they would say, oh my gosh, you're so honest and you, you know, you're so truthful as if it was like a choice. It wasn't a choice. It was just, I was bad at oh lying. God, I suck so. at lying. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, might as well just be up front. <laughs> so clearly we know that I'm a terrible liar. Y'all? Are you a good liar? Are you still a good liar? Um, I was so good and never did anything wrong. I never had to worry about lying. Are you lying right now? Do you believe me? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I sucked at lying. No. (laughs) I mean, truth be told, I was a pretty good kid. Um, I mean, actually, in some ways, too good. There were a lot of people that hated me for just being me. But, again, different time, different podcast. Um, I think that was me as well. Uh, or I know, not think. I know for sure that was me as well. I was a very good kid. I was very straight edge, um, really followed the rules. To this day, I still hate breaking the rules. Um, mm-hmm. Not as much as I used to as a kid when I was very rigid and I had a lot of anxiety if I would break the rules. Yeah, it was like it wasn't worth it. You're it like, wasn't I'm, worth it's too it. stressful. I'm just going to be good. That's yeah, also probably you. why I did not become a good liar because I didn't do much stuff to have to lie often. <laughs> so then when I would try to lie, when I would do stuff, it was like I was so out of practice. <laughs> it's so bad. You're like, I, like, I give uh, up. I'm just going to uh, be good. Well, <laughs> 
Speaking of lying, um, let's let's tell some truth. Okay, let's tell some truth. Because I'm sure all these people that are tuned in are going, who are you and why should we care? I mean, I was thinking that everyone is saying, oh, I know exactly who they are and I know exactly <laughs> why I should care. Those are good goals, but not so much today. Yes. <laughs> um, um, so who are we and why should they care? Um, well... I can't. I can't say why they should care, but maybe why they should listen, and yeah, maybe they'll care. Is that you know the point of this is that you and I are very different, and we'll we'll talk about those differences in a second. But the reality is, is like everybody's on a journey, and I think by talking about that journey and telling our stories, coming from two very different perspectives on paper people will start to realize that those differences aren't what matters so much as the fact that we're all on a journey. And if we can appreciate and embrace and support those differences, I think we'll find that we're a lot more alike than we realize. One of my favorite quotes is from the playwright Lorraine Hansberry, and she says, from the specific, the universal is born. And it speaks to the truth of sharing our stories, talking about the specifics of who we are and the details of our life is where we actually find the commonalities of the people that are around us. Because we think that so many of us are different and we think that we live different lives. But once we really start sharing our human experiences, we realize that we are more alike than we are different. I love that. And I think... We couldn't have explained it any better than that. So thank you for sharing because that that is really sort of who we are as people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think that your and my conversations that we've had as friends and um, somewhat colleagues in terms of how we met each other and Mm -hmm. worked together on some projects for my kids. It was all at that uh, swingers party. Yeah. (laughs) Dude. God. Now you have to tell the truth. Oh, shit. Oh, man. I wasn't supposed to be. Oh, gosh. It was elementary school projects with our children. Don't you remember? Oh, that's right. It was the the, the story of the Mayflower crossing (laughs) the ocean. And. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. Let's get serious. Let's get real. And um, let's just. Get started. Let's get started. Let's jump on in on our first episode where you, the listeners, get to hear about us, our background, and how we came to start this podcast. And it is all completely, a thousand percent, the truth. That's very true. That is the truth. No bullshit there. (laughs) Except for the swingers party. (laughs) (laughs) True. So for our first episode, congratulations to both of us on uh, getting this rolling out. It's been a labor of love, right, Donzel? Yeah, it has. I think it would be appropriate just to talk about how feeling of misplaced in terms of your roots, your origins. I think that we should um, talk a little bit about us and how okay. we came together. And because I think that uh, understanding who we are now and talking about where we came from will sort of make a lot of sense to people in terms of why we're actually doing this podcast yeah, I agree. So, I mean, if the viewers don't know, I am a hippie rock chick, white woman, um, <laughs> and you are a gay black, black man. man. Yeah. Wow. So interesting. Well, now that we got that out the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, yes, clearly I am the gay black man in the room. <laughs> and I am the hippie rock chick. 
Um, I'm a millennial. I'm a Gen X. Um, what but else? only only in years, not in spirit. I know that's right, girl. Look, <laughs> I'm a Gen X in spirit because I was not going out at all this weekend. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> yeah, I'm a baby boomer. <laughs> uh, I'm white. Yeah, and I'm black. I'm straight. And I'm gay. I'm a girl. And I'm a boy. Married with children. I am as single as they come. <laughs> I am super chill and casual. You know what? I am, oh, I want to say super chill and casual too, but I'm not. I'm so neurotic and I just try to pass it off as super chill and casual. I'm so neurotic. Dude, you're so polished. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I wish I had a camera and this was actually a vlog because. <laughs> well, there's the first call out of calling me out on my misplacedness. <laughs> you are exactly where you should be. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Oh, I'm from Virginia. Well, that actually is something that makes us similar, is that I'm from the South, too. Yeah. I grew up in a very tiny little town in Alabama. Yeah. But uh, I, think in, I think in terms of our conversations, we grew up in a very similar, but yeah. also a very, very different way of life and culture. And, and art is what connected us. Right. Absolutely. Um, it's sort of our differences. Well, we had different lives, but we had similar experience similar story but similar. but different experience yeah. experiences within that story yeah exactly yeah. yeah different sides and perspectives of the same story right we were on opposite sides of it or seeing it from opposite sides but right. i think internally we were connecting the same way right and i think it kind of goes back to that feeling of sort of feeling misplaced mm -hmm. um where you are where you're living where you're yeah. where you grow up like for and instance, I definitely did not feel like I, I grew up in the right place. Like I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. Um, Richmond at the time when I grew up was very black and white. Um, you know, I went to Richmond public schools. Majority of Richmond public schools are all black students from the inner city. Growing up in elementary school, I think I only had two white students in my entire experience from elementary to high school and one Asian student that I can remember that were a part of our school our, our school experience. So growing up, I had nothing but to identify with all of black culture. But the problem with identifying with only black culture because I was around all black students was I also was this artist, right? So for us, the world is part of our culture. We want to see the entire world. We want to experience everything. So I, at an early age, had a natural inclination to try things outside of my experience, to listen to other music, try other foods, try other um, movies, and just surround myself with different art. And I would do all that, and I would get influenced by that. And then I would be the only black kid who would be listening to Britney Spears, right? <laughs> or, or at least the only one who would admit it. I'm pretty sure there are many others. Um, closet Britney fans. Closet Britney fans. I know you're out there. Um, but not just Britney. You know, like I also grew up loving black and white movies. And Natalie Wood was one of my favorite, you know, golden age Hollywood stars. Again, in middle school, I'm watching, you know, Natalie Wood and inspired by her and no one knows who she is, let alone does anyone even really care about black and white movies at that time, right? So I grew up with this experience of kind of filling out a place like my brothers even would joke and they would say, we feel like you're the adopted son because none of what we like, you don't like any of it, 
Right. Well, I mean, that that's, you know, because I am adopted. Um, but it, that really wasn't the, I don't think the, the cause or the, the reason that I felt sort of like misplaced in terms of my roots. It was more of just the culture. And um, to sort of put it in perspective against, you know, where you grew up and, and your story, I also grew up in a really small town in the South, and uh, my elementary school was predominantly white. Um, the town that I grew up in was almost completely white, bordering where I grew up in, in certain directions were African-American communities, black communities, and I guess the whole integration movement and everything else, they started busing in kids from North Birmingham. And so I... Obviously, like my whole thing is I've just never been a person, even though I grew up in a very racist environment, never having those feelings personally. And so, you know, never thinking twice about who my friends were or how I chose my friends. But, you know, very early on, it was made very clear to me that while it was okay to be nice to the black people, um, they weren't allowed to come home with me. I wasn't allowed to, you know, date a black person when I got older. Um, It was still very a very segregated, integrated life. You know, it was, it was be nice to them, you know, but there was always that feeling that like, you know, you are better than those people. And, you know, there's a time and a place for them and outside of school or a school event, uh, you know, they're not allowed. And I never really understood that. And, you know, that's just one example. You know, I was the kid on the other side of the tracks, you know, separated from the kind of environment that you were in. And, uh, you know, I think when I look back on that, it was just something that never felt. It's like, you know, you put on those clothes or you put on that jacket and there's just something about it. You know, it fits you, but it doesn't feel mm-hmm. feel right. So I think that I've always been so troubled, I guess, mm-hmm. throughout my life of trying to understand how people like my family can be so loving and such great, amazing, wonderful people, but yet have you know, this hatred for someone simply because the color of their skin. Mm. You know, I don't get it. Uh, I never got it. And uh, was even punished sometimes for breaking the rule. There's nothing worse than sitting across from your parents and having them talk to you like, you know, you shoplifted or you committed some cardinal sin. You just, in college, you danced with a black boy in Florida on spring break. How dare you disgrace this family like that? So, yeah. So that was my side of that world. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> that's a lot. Um, I'm so but happy. here we are. I know. <laughs> I'm so happy that we are. We are friends. Um, you know, and that's the interesting thing where we talk about, you know, same, similar story but different experiences to where, for me, being on the other side of that world, which a lot of people, if you're listening and you don't know this, a lot of southern cities and a lot of southern towns in America, and I'm pretty sure other cities as well, but I'm just coming from the perspective of growing up in a southern city in southern states, it's so strategically designed in the urban planning where you said, you know, on the other side of the tracks, where it's Mm -hmm. so strategically planned that the city lines in all these types of cities like Richmond and Birmingham was strategically planned and designed where it's segregated. This is where we're drawing the line in the city maps of these are where the whites live, these are where the blacks live, this is where the poor live, this is where the affluent live. It's so categorized like that, Mm -hmm. and it really is. The 
railroad tracks, metaphorically and literally, right. will be that way, or the freeways will be structured that way. And so growing up in Richmond, I grew up in the north side of Richmond, which is mostly historically black. Right. Has been, still is. Getting gentrified a little bit now because life is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, not as fast so, as you think, though. Right? Not as fast as you think. So for me, there was never any punishment to leave my side of the tracks, right, or my side of the freeways. It was always a forewarning, mm-hmm. literally, of, well, if you're going to venture out of this area, these are the areas that we know are safe. You can go here, you can go there. Don't go on that side, though, because... We do know what can happen to you in that side of the town, right? But it's so interesting to be on the other side of the table from you, literally (laughs) and metaphorically, and know that for me, it was never a punishment to go. There was always like a concern concern or like, wow, we are impressed that you went and you enjoyed that side of life. And for you to do the same was a literal punishment. Oh, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, I was told um, if I ever brought home a black boy, my father would disown me. Wow. And throughout my life, when I would say that to people, they would say, oh, you, you don't think you really meant that. I go, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's this, this whole other um, idea that, uh, you know, because especially my parents were raised in a different time in a different yeah. culture. I mean, segregation was still in existence when they were growing up. And it never, never justifies it. And some people will say, well, it, but it explains it. You know, they, they actually lived in a world. Mm-hmm. As a child, they literally would walk into um, a school, and there was two different water fountains labeled. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that it would be harder to sort of, like, deprogram yourself. But the yeah. fascinating thing, sadly fascinating, is that it's, it's actually stronger in existence with younger people that I know back in Alabama. I, I go back there, and I'm just like, Wow. So it's so hard when home makes you feel misplaced. And even now, even though I have, I don't ever think I even had that chip in me in terms of having to deprogram, but I I lived it. And I guess if I was really honest with myself when I was really, really young, before you learn how to think for yourself and and question those things, there's probably a point in my life where I did believe it because I didn't really know anything else. Yeah. Um, And that's the power of growing up. And, you know, nature versus nurture. And I definitely, you know, on the other side of that coin is being gay. You grow up hearing that, you know, nature versus nurture and that you were turned that way or, you know, you didn't have enough male influences. These are the stories that I was, that was told to me to inform my Mm -hmm. weirdness, right? Right. Because the the way you were punished or um, had this, you know, strict oppressive upbringing about race is what happened with me with my experience growing up in the black church and being gay. It was that negative punishing experience where you had to cover your queerness because if you let it out, oh my Lord. Well, yeah, you should <laughs> have been an Episcopalian like right? us because they're uh, way cooler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of church uh, did you go to? I went to a church of God in Christ. So it was Kojic. Um, it's what? a very a Church of God in Christ is a very, very. Did you um, handle? Did you handle snakes? It is as close to that as it can get. I don't. I never got there, but maybe there are some Church of God in Christ churches in the deep, deep, deep south that still do that. But we are talking 
black Pentecostal church. So everything that you're thinking about, the speaking in tongues, the shouting, the dancing up and down the aisles, the fire and brimstone preacher and the revivals. And oh yeah, that's yeah. how I grew so up. So if you were a gay black man in that Ooh. environment, you were, you were doomed for hell. From yeah. The get-go. But at the same time, we were the ones who were doing every church's musical department and theater department. And right. you knew who we were. And part of that experience is having an amazing choir. <laughs> and <laughs> your exactly. church means nothing if your choir can't throw down. <laughs> and most of the times, the people who ran those choirs were either black women or gay black men, or a black woman and a gay black man together were running those choirs, and it was such a you know yeah uh, uh, experience. So music and sports. It's acceptable. It's acceptable, but you still can't <laughs> talk about it, right? So, like, we all know the choir director over there is, you know, darn near voguing <laughs> as he's, like, directing the choir. But as long as he doesn't say he's voguing, we'll just pass it off. Um, but it is just so interesting because as someone who grew up experiencing something similar to that, I do agree that um, we can't use history to dismiss what we went through and where we were as a society or as people but we do need to understand that it does inform it Mm -hmm. and that i agree that part of eradicating all of that is re-educating the youth to understand that there was a time when we used the bible and religion to inform a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. it was our textbook our science our reasoning and those are such strong opinions by people right? right and part of the racism and homophobia that we experience is connected to this book Mm -hmm. or it was used to justify what was happening. And when the mind is trained to think one way, it's thinking that way. Right. And I think we forget that it's a whole system that affected all of us. Right. And that system may have affected us to where we directly re- it the steps and the laws of that system mm-hmm. or it may have affected us where we saw how that system was hurting us or hurting a loved one and we wanted to break against that system but the truth is is that we all were in the system right like your parents were in the system right my parents were in the system just on different sides of that system right and here you and I are hopefully helping to break that system I, I'd like to think so I think, I think I think we are. I mean, I I feel like not specifically in terms of like um the the race part of it, mm-hmm. but just I was very different than everybody in my family. Mm-hmm. Um Same. and I always used to, you know, like the whole nature versus nurture, you know, being adopted. I mean, people ask me all the time like, "Well, how old were you when your parents told you?" and I I'm like, "Well, I don't ever remember not knowing." And which by the way, anybody out there who is adopting a child, if you wait to tell them when they're 16 or they're 18 that like, hey, guys, all of a sudden, we're not your parents. Um, it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know anybody that had that happen to them uh, that had a positive experience. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, hey, here's the keys to your new car. And we're not really your parents. You've been living a lie for the last 16 years. I mean, who does that anyway? But it happens a lot, believe it or not. Yeah. So for me, I never... I think I knew I was adopted before I even really knew what that meant. I was always raised to know that it was just part of who I was. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think because 
I was raised by the same parents as my brother who is not adopted. Uh, same values. We're only four years apart, so it wasn't like a, you know, a long time where things may have changed in terms of parenting styles or family dynamics. And I am so different, always was, uh, in so many different ways. Um, thinking, style, musical tastes, uh, passions, interests. I mean, there were some similarities too, don't get me wrong, but definitely felt like I was just so different. And I'm like, how, you know, we're like raised by the same people in the same environment, the same everything, yada, yada, yada. Um, but we're very different. My brother and I are extremely different people. Um, and same thing with my sort of extended family, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles. I am, I am the only one uh, who thinks and feels the way that I do. So sometimes I just wonder if that's just part of my DNA. That is the one thing that I did not get from them. But it's interesting to think about that I had two people that I've never met in my life um, could have really contributed to a lot of who I am without me even knowing them, right? It's kind of a, a mind trick. Yeah, it's a, that's a powerful experience that I don't have any understanding of, which I realize is a, a blessing in itself to grow up and be informed by my family and know who they are and know where the lineage is. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. And, then, and the interesting thing, too, is that if you look at the whole concept of adoption, I mean, you are basically taking in a, a human being, a human life, mm -hmm. and raising them as and loving them as your own. If we can do that with people, then why can't we adopt new ways of thinking letting go of the, the, the bad parts of what, you know, whether it's racism or other things that we're prejudiced against within, with each other, politics, religion, gender, sexuality, all of those things, um, which I think, you know, we can, I think we plan on talk about, talking about that in a specific to those types of things um, in a different time, in a different episode, but uh, the idea that it can be done. Yeah. I we mean, I we think, can't, if we can adopt yeah. people... And yeah. raise them like our own. Why can't we adopt new ideas? That's a much simpler and task to ask happening. ourselves to do. I do. I think that's happening, especially with your kids and their generation. Right. You know, like that's the. I hope so. And maybe I'm just lucky because I'm, you know, here in LA and I teach, you know, that's how we met was because I was your kid's theater teacher. <laughs> yes, everyone. Donzel is the most amazing theater and acting teacher um, who devotes a lot of his time to, uh, it's a charitable organization, right? PS yeah. Arts. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think schools have to pay something small, yes, but uh, the one thing about growing up in California, this awesome state, our uh, local school district here, unfortunately, does not see the value in the arts. Mm -hmm. So the one thing when there were district cuts that they cut out of schools was uh, any sort of arts programs. And so PS Arts yeah. brings them to public schools, which my children proudly both attend. And thanks to Donzel, uh, he was able to teach them at their elementary school. So, by the way, yay. Yay. The, and we have this now amazing friendship because of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Even though we grew up on opposite, opposite side of the sides. tracks. <laughs> right. So. But the great thing is that they're not experiencing that. Right. At least from what I see with the kids now is the eclecticness of their life is so powerful that they don't even have to think about it sometimes. And I remember having to think about that. I remember having to think what other sides of life were there that I wasn't experiencing and who could I 
go to meet to experience that. Like I purposefully went to a diverse university because I wanted to go and meet other people from across the world. Right. I had to actively go do that. Right, right. <laughs> I had to literally say that was yeah. one of my goals. Well, I think in certain cities it's easier, like Los Angeles mm-hmm. or some of the larger cities. Um, but, you know, when you get out in middle America um, and some yeah. of these smaller the, places. Some of the south, and it's just it's not happening. Yeah. I see it changing a lot. Like I go back to Richmond a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Talk about that, what you said earlier about how your home can make you feel misplaced. Like, well, growing up, you know, in that city, being black and gay, it was a double strike. Wait, One, you're gay. <laughs> I know. Girl, some mornings, I'm questioning it, too. Um, <laughs> after I watched the J-Lo Super Bowl, I definitely was questioning it. <laughs> I was like, well, wait a minute. J-Lo and Shakira, wait a minute. Um, don't get, I can't even, 50, she looks uh, amazing. I'm so jealous. Gosh, same. Um, but the Motivation. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, <laughs> but I was saying that, you know, my home made me feel misplaced in that regard is, you know, it was such a tough time. I had to prove myself double ways. I had to prove myself as a black man. I had to prove myself as a gay man. Um, I had to prove myself as a black gay man. Like I just had to prove myself. I had to fight for myself. I had to survive. A lot of people, you know, I am quote unquote, the lone wolf. And a lot of people question, you know, say that they, they, they love and admire how independent I am and how solo I am. But a lot of that is because I grew up not having a community to connect yeah. to. I had a black community to connect to, but I didn't have a gay and a gay black community to connect to, so I had to find my own way. But anyways, now I go back and I visit Richmond a lot more because it is changing so much. The diversity, the eclecticness, the experiences are growing and changing. Still a lot of resistance there, mm-hmm. still a lot of old values, but being in it, growing up in it, leaving it, Finding a home in L.A. where I love my life and I love how I'm the basic one. I love how I can literally do a drag show, not get out of makeup, go into the grocery store, and no one bat an eye. No one even stop and talk to me. Not because they don't want to talk to me, but because they don't care and they've seen Whatever, however dressed I am, they've seen a lot more of an extravagant experience. (laughs) I'm the basic one. Um, Going into Richmond after living there, living in L.A., and now seeing the change, it actually makes me feel good. Although I see that there's a lot more to go, I've been out of it long enough to see also the growth that has happened. That's amazing. All right. Yeah. We just got to keep this going, people. Yeah. Um, going back to what you said a minute ago about having to make the choices to find diversity, right, yeah. for college. Um, do you ever watch This Is Us? No, I can't watch it yet. I need to watch it. I'm afraid to watch it because everyone talks about how every episode they cry. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to be in a mood that I want to cry, which some movies I am like that and some shows. Like, I will, my friends have come over when we are going out to WeHo and we are going to party our tails off. They have come over to get ready, and I have been in the house watching Handmaid's Tale. And they are so confused as to how I can watch that before going out. And I'm like, well, when I'm in the mood for it, I'm in the mood for a dark show (laughs) or something that makes me think, and it's really heavy. So I haven't watched This Is Us yet because I know it's one of those shows, and I just want to be in the mood to sit down and open up my heart. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's great. You know, it it doesn't always make you cry, but Mm -hmm. it definitely always makes you think. Mm. I mean, not everybody, but I think, again, you know, that's the beautiful thing about entertainment and television is that, You find things that you can relate to and and it helps you either 
relive those experiences or think about those experiences or, or whatever. But the thing I find interesting about this is us is, I mean, just to not going to sit here and break down the show episode by episode, but the idea is that there's the, uh, Mandy Moore's character. She had, she was pregnant with three kids, lost one of them at the birth of the two. And that same day, somebody had dropped off a, a black, their white, a black baby, um, at the hospital. And so they ended up adopting that baby. So they took home three babies, but one of them was black. But what's been really interesting is to see the character, and and his name escapes me right now, but see his um, yearning, you know, to be living in, you know, I think it's like a suburb of Pittsburgh or so not probably not Southern, but probably not the most progressive, but at least in the North, not in the deep South. So um, relatively accepted, I think. I mean, this is the time of the show, like when he was growing up, I think it was more like the 80s when they were like teenagers. But even in his choices of college, mm-hmm. he wanted to be at a college where there was the black culture mm-hmm. because he felt like he wasn't able to experience, you know, as grateful as he was, he was making the opposite choice to not be in the more diverse, quote unquote, world of a regular school. But he was exploring the idea of trying to have somebody in his life that he could relate to. And just the dynamic and of him not wanting to hurt his family and them trying so desperately to understand him, but just like you'll never be able to understand what it's like to be adopted, right? Yeah. Like his family really could never understand what it's like to be black, whether you're in a white family or a black family or a white school, black school, or mm-hmm. or mixed school. So I think that mutual respect of understanding what you won't ever be able to understand it's like those people like, oh, yeah, I totally, I've been there. It's like, yeah, but I've never been black. You've never been yeah, adopted, never. right? <laughs> I've been so, there. But have I think you, that's, yeah. Have you been there? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> I mean, according to 23andMe, <laughs> no. <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, so yeah. I think that, that the the idea that uh, respecting those differences, I mean, yeah. kind of getting back to the origin piece of this, is acknowledging those differences mm-hmm not making judgments because of those differences and, uh, you know, trying to just grow as people together, yeah. separate. And figuring it out. Right. right? Like, I right. Feel like Being open to the conversation. And I yeah. think the closed mindedness of where we are as a society today. I mean, I'm not even going to get started on politics, but it feeds into it. It feeds into it. A lot. A lot. <laughs> um, it's just, it's it's really sad yeah. because I think you and I would never be here having this conversation mm-hmm. if it weren't for us just sitting down at a bar one night talking about mm-hmm. a, a whole other project that we're going to be working on or are working on. And uh, these conversations just starting to happen so naturally yeah. and realizing that we can be from different worlds in so many different ways, but we're also all the same. We're all going through yeah. the same experiences, but... Sometimes those experiences feel differently, and we need to be open to listening to how they the the opposite person or people feel. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that um, we should all just love each other and get, get along. along. Can we all Can just, we all get, just along? get along? Uh, <laughs> that statement was so loaded in so many ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I totally agree. I think the great thing to embrace is. We forget that it's a human experience and we're all living this human experience in so many different ways. And I think that 
our educations and systems and the isms that we are part of, knowingly or unknowingly, helps us to control and identify that experience. And I think for me, when I let go of that and I'm looking at what is my human experience and how am I doing my quote-unquote Oprah living my best life, it You're not really, going to start Eat, Pray, Loving on me, are you? I am not because okay. I can't afford to go to Italy right okay, now. Okay, good. Because we, we got a lot I'll more podcasts gone. to record. <laughs> I'd be gone. <laughs> uh, which I love that movie, by the way. I was living my best fantasy watching that movie. Uh, but yeah, so are here you we are. Getting in touch with your inner Julia. Oh, my inner Julia. How do you not love Lisa and Julia? I, I know. Her. Love her. But yeah, here we are, you know, with this podcast because we both understand that Life is literally a journey. Right. And we're just trying to get on to our next spot and have so much fun on the way to it. Right. And I think, you know. So have fun with yeah, us, Yeah, I mean, you're, you're misplaced emotionally, physically, mentally. We're going to have fun. We're yeah. going to have fun. But yeah, like emotionally, mentally, mm-hmm. physically, there's all kinds of ways to feel out of place, misplaced, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the thing to remember is that. It's such a cliche, but people say, oh, everything happens for a reason. But the the truth of that statement is that every day that you live your life is part of the journey. So when, you know, as our little log line says, you may feel like you're in the wrong place, but you're always living the right life. And uh, I think when you can embrace that and start to check yourself a little bit and think about why you made the choices that you make, um, but not too much living in the past. I think you got to like acknowledge it, embrace it and think about your present and your future Yeah. and not get too caught up in the whys of why happened, what happened, but just say, you know what? This happened. This was my origin. This was where I grew up. What did I do? I never let that shape who I was. And I think that's just an example of, it would be very easy for me to continue on that uh, ridiculous way of thinking and I didn't mm-hmm. I so. love that you brought up the everything happens for a reason statement I hate that statement I know me too I but it's so it. true but it and I feel like what you just said is the reason why is because you realize that everything happens for a reason because you made a choice yeah and sometimes you're right like the choice isn't made for you um, but I feel like what people forget is that when they say everything happens for a reason, they forget to say that, but your job is to figure out what that was. And why, and why. And, and, and how that, and how, what you can learn from it. What you can learn from it. Yeah. And so I feel like that just makes people, you know, absolve themselves. Like, oh, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, and? Right. But for me, it's always, when I go through a situation, everything's happening for a reason, because like you said, life is happening. The reason yeah. is I'm living my life. Right. Now, I'm in this situation what is going on? What is my position in the situation? What am I owning and not owning? What are the decisions that I am going to make to move from this situation or stay in this situation as right. I have done with many men that I shouldn't be with? And I'm like, mm, I'll stay here for another three more months. This That's is definitely a topic of another episode. Sure. I know this is toxic and it's not good for me, but uh, I'm okay. young. I'll bounce back. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> he ruined my life and my credit. Everything happens for a reason. But um, I'm good. But I'm good. That didn't happen. No man has ruined my life nor my credit. I've done that all on my own. But, you know, I think that's the important thing is to look at the situation and realize what am I doing? Where do I go? 
what's next. Absolutely. You know? All right. You're no longer misplaced. Right. <laughs> Your roots have been relocated. <laughs> you can find out more about us and join our misplaced journey at our website, misplacedlife.com. Or you can just slide into our DMs. Did you just say slide into our DMs? Yeah, that's what you do on Instagram when you want to get to know someone. Oh my God, you're such a millennial. Yes, Anyway, I am. yes. Okay, people, slide into our DMs at Insta. <laughs> Misplaced.life. Nerd. Boomer. <laughs> Freak. Yeah, well, depends on the night. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to our first episode. We wanted to end with a little conversation about the moment we decided to join together and create our little podcast. Enjoy. Okay, so, you know, a lot of our chat here on this podcast is about uh, sort of like our differences, but also our similarities. So do you want to know what my favorite thing that I found out about you so far Oh, yes, besides my dashing good looks and single life. There, there is definitely that, <laughs> definitely that. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I, you, you're dashing and, and hot, people. He's really hot. Anyway. <laughs> that's the endorsement for the day. That's today's yeah, episode. That's our Bye. misplaced clue is Don <laughs> is hot. No, you know what it is? I'll, what? I'll, I'll give you, not three, I'll give you two guesses. Okay, two guesses. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, okay. My favorite thing about me is that, uh, I don't know, this is hard, that I have such a good attitude. That is a favorite thing, but that is yeah. not what I'm talking about. That I can always have a drink with you whenever you're like, <laughs> you want a drink? It can be like one o'clock. It's like, just, of course. Of course it, well, it's always five o'clock somewhere. Somewhere. Right? <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, you know, it, it loosens you up and gets the uh, creativity flowing. That's, uh, um, that's my story and I'm sticking with it. Sticking with it. Nope. That's not it. Well, speaking of, we were actually at the Brixton. Okay. One of our favorite little, um, workplaces. Yes. That happens to have a happy hour that starts at three 30 people. Yes. For those in Santa Monica. (laughs) Uh, no, but that's where I discovered this new thing that, uh, I love about you. I think I know what it is. What? Can I say it? Yes. Is it because I love deviled eggs? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It's because we're ding. both from the South, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, my husband hates hard-boiled eggs. Where is he from? Denver. Dem- okay. Yeah, they See? don't do deviled eggs in Denver. <laughs> nope. But, I mean, like, how many people that do you know? Like, I mean, it wasn't that you just like deviled eggs. We were, like, sitting here looking over the menu quietly. Yes. Like quietly thinking to I ourselves, like moment. God, I, those deviled eggs sound really, really good, but yes. like everybody hates them. I'm everybody. not going to suggest it. So we literally picked the one thing, the tots, and went around and around and around. And finally, you were just like, I don't know, those deviled eggs sound good. And I was like, Oh, you like deviled eggs? Yeah, I'm trying. I love that about you. <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to roll out cackling and laughter right now. <laughs> Because it was such an emotional experience to where we all are used to that moment of trying to order appetizers that everyone would enjoy. What are the, you know, the sweet potato fries or the regular fries or tots are going to be a hit. And you're so right. And I just sheepishly said, 
I mean, I could do some deviled eggs. And then for your reaction to be what it was, it was like that Hollywood moment of like when they script the two people falling in love when they right. see each other like for in the slow first motion. Time. And oh. I look up and I was like, you do? And you're like, yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, that never happens. And that was when we knew it was time to start recording the podcast. That is. <laughs> deviled eggs. We will always have deviled eggs. <laughs> And if you enjoyed this podcast, we have... Or even if you didn't, give us another chance. Sorry. That's right. Give us another <laughs> chance. <laughs> but you can give us another chance on some of our upcoming episodes that we have that are going to launch very soon because this is a podcast about helping us all live the right life that we can. So we have conversations about COVID and racism. We get real. We take the nice gloves off. Yeah. And we get our hands dirty in that conversation. Yeah, they, they, they're going to get a little dirty, I got to yeah, say. Yeah, it's a great conversation. But they're though. necessary dirty. They're necessary dirty. Yeah. And, you know, we also bounce around and we talk about the importance of understanding mental health and understanding the importance of maintaining mental health. And we also talk about things such as how do we create a better school system for our kids? Yep. We talk about education and and how that system can make some of our children feel misplaced or not valued. And those are just a few thoughts I think we are going to talk about, you know, feeling misplaced in our careers. I mean, for me personally, my own journey, you know, spending 22 years um, in the music business. Yeah, I totally understand. and, And ending up here. Me being 21 and, you know, this is why I'm a bad liar. See, yeah, I even <laughs> and finish we're back that to that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even finish the lie. Right. <laughs> uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So I was story, 21. I'm, to it. And... I'm 21. I'm still 21. Uh, and we also talk about relationships as well. This podcast is definitely going to be able to help you unpack so many of the different things that all of us go through on a day to day basis. We're not single issue people, we are people who have multiple concerns about living our best life and that's what we're going to help you do well i mean that was i mean if if there's any proof of all of that it was my journey and being you know living in a being in a career and loving what i was doing and being passionate about what i was doing but you know being getting to that middle age life Mm -hmm. and not being fulfilled because it's all about the journey and, and going on that journey and trust me i mean you know and you know you guys listening will soon know it wasn't easy and it wasn't, it was not easy at all. And it was painful sometimes and it was difficult, but it was so necessary. And I am so excited and so proud and just so joyful that I'm sitting here across the table from you, my loving friend and partner, Donzel, to be able to talk about on the other side of it, how important I have learned that that lesson is in terms of embracing the journey, learning those lessons and Starting your life over, you know, at 50. Yes, people, I am fucking 50. Now, that is actually, I'm not in 52. Almost the truth. Well, but I, I learned good, this lesson. I was believing. I was like, oh, happy 50th. <laughs> I learned this lesson at 50. Then it's taken me two years to get it all together. Mm-hmm. But again, yes, so much to talk about. So many um, awesome aspects of that journey and where you can film this place. So, you know, this is a, a, a very shameless plug to try and get you to tune back in and listen.
Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you can stay on this misplaced journey with us as we all live the right life. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Waiting, waiting, waiting. Awkward, awkward. This is so bad. (laughs) All right, I'm sweating and I got to All right, me too. It's hot. Okay, bye. (laughs) Love you. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening, but just know that we want to listen to you too. If you have any thoughts or comments about what we've discussed on our podcast, please reach out. And if there's something in life that's bothering you and it's got you feeling misplaced and you want to talk about it, reach out to us. Yeah, get in touch. Our website is misplacedlife.com. Check us out. All right, let's start to dish on it, girl. Girl, let's dish. Girl, girl. Get the vodka. Okay. Okay.